Nice to be back with you and great to um, kick off a new series. Uh, we're looking at the book of Proverbs. Um, and yeah, I hope you, I, I would sort of encourage you to think about reading along with us. It's a great um, book. It's Proverbs, um, snappy and sort of um, really, you know, to the point and cut in and, and really practical. So if you're somebody who struggles to read your Bible, um, do join with us um, through this series, Word to the Wise. Um, timeless insights for modern minds um yeah i think the bible particularly in this book is really going to speak out some wisdom to us that is the subject will be the subject over the next little while um and as we go through um i'm going to start by giving you a definition now as we go through i think hopefully we'll iron out increasingly iron out what we think um our definition for wisdom is let me start with uh, the standard collins English dictionary I think that's where I got this one from the ability to make a decision based on the accumulation of knowledge knowledge insight and experience and um, the basic the place I wanted us to start from um, and not stay at but start from is this idea that it's more than just knowledge it's more than just information we have um, more than ever we have got um, information but wisdom is something more than that um, requires insight, experience, uh, etc. Um, I think it's a real irony, as I've sort of looked into this and read around it, and I don't know what you think about this, that despite the fact that we have clearly, that we clearly know more stuff, we're more informed, and we have more access to information, um, you know, at our fingertips than at any other point in, in human history, but um, that that advance has not been accompanied by by wisdom. Um, we know loads of stuff. We're well informed. Um, we have loads of stuff that we can just grab on our phones. Loads of knowledge, um, but less or no more wisdom. You could probably make the case, and a few people that have been reading, a few commentators on. Um, modern culture have made you know making this argument that it, it's easier to say that that we are possibly less wise don't know what you think about that possibly less wise despite the fact that we've got more information um and as, as I sort of reflect on that I think we are incredibly passive aren't we about or we can be about wisdom as a culture a couple of thousand years ago the Greeks in particular, but lots of other people as well, chased after wisdom, really sought after wisdom. And yet it feels like we're quite passive about that product, uh, wisdom. Um, and as I read into it, something that came out really strongly, some um, yeah, modern commentators were really at a strong conviction that, that this was actually incredibly dangerous. The fact that we have made these huge advancements um, in tech and we've got huge insight now we've got huge you know huge knowledge store there um but but the wisdom hasn't kept speed with that and and the suggestion was that this could be really dangerous for the human race there's um there's a greek myth i'm going to show you a picture just now and if you're a bit squeamish <clears throat> if you're a bit squeamish just you know deal with it have a have a look at this picture um this guy is called prometheus there he is. He is just 
um, not you know not in a good place, and is about to be attacked by an um, an eagle, and he's about you know this is this is not a good day for Prometheus. He gets attacked every single day uh, by this eagle that is sent to attack him by a guy called Zeus, and the story of uh, of this picture is one that um, Plato retells to try and explain the difference between knowledge and wisdom and it's a myth really about how humans came to have fire and the basic story goes that prometheus nicked it from the gods he, he saw the humans and he thought they could do with warming up they could do with figuring out a way to cook these you know their food and he nicked the fire um but he didn't nick and this is what really caused use to become angry he didn't nick the thing that would have really aided human beings with the fire. He didn't make common sense. He didn't take wisdom from the gods. He just took the fire. And as Zeus looked on and thought, this is going to be really dangerous for humanity. This is this is definitely the way that Plato tells it, you know, to emphasize his point that there's a there's a huge difference between knowledge and wisdom. There's a huge difference between those two things. And it can be an incredibly dangerous thing. The human beings have all of a sudden they've got fire, but without the wisdom to use it, Zeus thinks. Incredibly dangerous. And so you look at that and you think, well, that's it's a bit strong, perhaps, of Zeus, even though it's just a myth. It's a bit strong to stick him on the side of a cliff and have an eagle come and eat his liver every day. But actually, the if we think about that, maybe it's not a bit strong. Maybe there's actually, you know, it's a it's just a myth. But maybe it's a really helpful myth when we think about for example just carrying on the theme of wisdom and fire when we think about the product of dynamite created for good as far as i can remember at the start you know with good intentions and yet human wisdom didn't keep speed uh with with this you know this breakthrough and dynamite has been used for all sorts of you know evil throughout the generations you could maybe say the same thing about nuclear power potentially really really good but actually it's been used to do some terrible, terrible things <clears throat> in the absence of wisdom. And when we think about the sort of the growth of um, human knowledge, probably more most easily expressed in the form of the internet, and we think about the amount of knowledge that we can consume, but actually the amount of danger that that might do to us human beings if we don't keep track uh, with wisdom, we think about the medical advancements that we've got. Think about all these, these these progresses that we've made. Actually, they are fraught with danger if they're not accompanied with wisdom. At least that's what I'd say. I think the reality is it doesn't matter our progress. We're always going to need more wisdom, whether it's really big things, whether it's like eugenics or war or ethical things. If it's really big things, going to need always to, to match up the progress with the wisdom or it's trouble or even in the really little everyday stuff. We're always going to need more wisdom, just like how much pocket money you're going to give your kids or who you're going to invite around uh, to, to share Christmas dinner after lockdown with. You know how that stuff can kick off, don't you? Wisdom. Wisdom is the key. More important, I would say, at this point than even the greatest um, progresses that human beings have made. Wisdom is the key. And the Proverbs that we're going to look at today, or the book of Proverbs that we're going to look at over the next eight or nine weeks, probably up until May sometime, um, deal with the subject of wisdom. And they do more than deal with the subject of wisdom. I think 
what we're going to see in this little introductory text here, verse one um, through to six, is they they teach wisdom. That's their function. Um, so it's one of these books. I think all the Bible you do well to to take a second, consider the context, consider the genre, type of literature, all that sort of stuff. Especially so with with proverbs. They're not rules. Um, they're not guarantees. They're more like um, situations, realities, examples that teaches that teaches wisdom, that teaches good thought processes. As we consider them, as we look at them, we are informed about how to live. So it, this little introduction here is really helpful in terms of what we do uh, with proverbs, because we could we could end up abusing them. And I guess you you could probably think of a few proverbs, maybe that'd be a good challenge, that, that human beings have abused and taken the wrong direction with over the years. Verse two says, basically, this for, they're for gaining wisdom. We read into them and we gain wisdom. So we get insight. So it's not they're not just dry words, they're not rules, they're not things that we just pick up and leave. We we have to muse over them and you know meditate on them and consider them. We don't just have instructions, but we figure out how to receive. Do you see verse three then? Figure out how to receive these instructions. These proverbs are how to deal with the information that's coming our way. That's what wisdom is. It's not just it's not just the stuff written on the page. It's the experiential reception of the stuff written on the page. And it says, verse four, so the young and simple get wiser. And then into verse five, and the already wise or the older, might be getting at the older older generations with more accumulated wisdom. They don't become arrogant or abuse their position, but they're also able to add to their wisdom. And then you can see in verse six, um, for the understanding, for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. Um, sort of wraps it up by saying they're therefore to help uh, human beings uh, wrestle with and deal with some of the more complex uh, matters of life. So they are there to produce wisdom. Let me just give you a few examples about how we might deal with, with some of these uh, proverbs. So just two, um, Proverbs 17, 14 says, starting a quarrel so yeah as, as these come up on the screen maybe just um i don't know i try to imagine if i guess some of you are in living room some of you are uh, watching on your phone just try and muse over over these see if you can get to the bottom of them what's this parable about starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam so drop the matter before a dispute breaks out starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam so drop the matter before a dispute breaks out what does it what is it saying? Is it? So you kind of look at it at the on first glance, you almost think, does this mean I should just never, never argue with anybody? Kind of looks like that, doesn't it? Drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. You don't want that um, torrent to come your way. And we know kind of how that works, but it's not saying that, does it? Because it's not a rule. And it's not what the rest of the Bible says. There's plenty of times in the Bible where we're encouraged um, if we see injustice, if we see, um, you know, disparities and injustice and that kind of thing, we're encouraged to speak out and challenge it. And we, even within the book of Proverbs, we are told um, to interrupt people. We are told to challenge things. But there's a weight to this warning. Um, the picture is is too um, powerful and graphic in our minds for us just to walk away from. We get, we get the, we, we feel the weight of it. We And we know exactly what it's like when you, when you, pick an argument 
which is what happens often, isn't it? You think, I'm just going to deal with this. And you go and pick the argument, and then it is like a flood. What comes back at you, once you open that thing up, once you go once you go and open that thing up, then it, it, you've, got the, you've got to deal with the, the outcome of that. And this parable, I think, gets us to just really think about what, about, about that. Don't, you know, make, make, make it a last resort. That's wise. Don't just go around picking arguments and um, really consider, really consider what, you know, the issues at hand before you dive in, because, because this is going to, you know, there's going to be consequences to this and it's going to, you know, it's going to, you're going to get flooded by it. Don't be somebody who picks a lot of arguments because you're just going to drown. So that's the kind of wisdom. That's kind of one of the, I think that's a helpful way of thinking about how par, uh, proverbs can work. Another one, 1811, the wealth of the rich. So again, muse over this just for a second. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it's a wall too high to scale. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it's a wall too high to scale. So this is um, using the language of, at least as I see it, sort of walled cities, castles, um, Game of thrones he sort of pictures and it's and I guess it's written in those sort of times, isn't it? Is it an anti-money message? The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. Is it saying, you know, don't put all your trust in money? For a, for a kickoff, it'd be a bit rich coming from Solomon, I think, if he was to say that. He had plenty of money. And I don't think it is saying just that. Is it advocating poverty? for security is it saying you are better to have nothing no it's not saying that because other in other parts of the book of proverbs in other part of of the bible it'll tell us of the benefits of having money we can really help with stuff to have money but what it does say is that this wall of money is not going to be high enough to save you and it says the temptation when you've got any serious dollar or maybe even just when you live in the consumerist West, as we do, that that you're going to easily get into the habit of thinking that money is the big wall that's going to keep all the enemies out. That could be a real temptation for you. This, the parable gets us to think that you could place money as you could think of money as you know the the real security net that you've got. It could be the point of all your arguments could be what you're most focused on. And the parable says, that's going to be really easy. It's going to be really easy for you to think like that. But you should really think about exactly what would be an insurmountable wall. What would be something that could really shape you and save you? And this is what the Proverbs do. I think they're shapers. They don't just, they don't just bang out rules. They're shapers to be people who, who really think. But they don't, they're not, and it is quite an amiable book. Is Proverbs and really encourage you to read it. Even you can just, if you if you're somebody who really struggles with reading your Bible, it's great because you can. It's really punchy. You can just read a couple and you can sort of muse over them the rest of the day. You know, if you've got a really busy day and you've not got time in the morning, and you think, oh, I missed my quiet time this morning. I've missed a chance to read the Bible and muse over it. Read a couple of these verses, a couple of the Proverbs, and muse over them. One of the things you'll find though, as you do, they're not as even though they look quite amiable. They're not as amiable as you think. And sometimes um, the wisdom of the Proverbs shares a lot of common ground with human wisdom. Um, so often as you're reading through, you're thinking, yeah, I think, you know, 
Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah, I see that. That makes sense. This, this is these are the kind of things that you'll, if you if you uh, give yourself over to reading it, you'll you'll think, yeah, there's wisdom in that, there's truth in that. But ultimately, they're not that amiable. They do turn you round in another direction because there is an underlying premise at the heart of this wisdom book um, that that ultimately, even though it seems quite amiable and it seems quite gentle and it's very readable. Ultimately, it turns you around in the wrong direction. or in the right direction, in the other direction, it shifts you around because worldly wisdom says, or starts with a, a clear rejection of, of God. Ultimately, that's, that's where worldly wisdom comes from. If we're going to separate up these wisdoms, it, it starts with its, its base premise is that there isn't a God and you go from there with your wisdom. But the Bible, biblical wisdom, God's wisdom starts with, and it's in verse six, I think, or verse seven, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All wisdom starts from him and spreads, starts from a fear and a reverence for the awe of God. So ultimately, even though Proverbs feels pretty gentle, most of the way through, if you imbibe it, it's going to shift you around. It's going to turn you around. So Proverbs, wisdom, it doesn't, it doesn't, to use these two examples, it doesn't condemn argument, nor does it advocate total passivity. But the more time you spend in the Proverbs, the more, the more you begin to reason and think and see the positives in being a person of peace, the less likely you are just to, to run out and chase an argument with somebody. And that, even though it sounds not like a lot, that is a that is a radical turning round in human life. And Proverbs, equally, as we thought about money uh, with that last proverb, Proverbs doesn't condemn wealth. It'll often advocate the benefits of wealth, but it will take you away from thinking that it's the thing that saves you, or it, or it being your ultimate point of reason. That's a that's a radical turnaround. The consumerist world that we live in points us all the time towards security and money and the book of proverbs though it doesn't condemn having it it, it talks about the blessings of having it but it says i'm going to shift you around as we think about this stuff i think whether you know whether sort of christian or not whether you're just sort of wrestling with life however it goes the, there comes points junctions in the road when we find ourselves choosing and the kind of wisdom that we're going to go with doesn't there often Often, I think Christians, Christians in particular, they want to, we want to, I want to hold onto both kinds of wisdom. We hold them both together, and sometimes, as we look at the, as we look at the, um, at the Book of Proverbs, we'll see, we'll see maybe moments of overlap where this general wisdom that we hear, uh, you know, round about us that sort of rings true with some of some of the, the wisdom of Proverbs, but ultimately. And we find this, we, we, I think we realize these moments and these sort of the moments will work out if you're a person of faith. When you realize you've been shifted around, you've been changed around, you go, you've actually been moved away from um, the wisdom that you're hearing in the street or in your workplace or that kind of thing. You, and if, you, if you've been a Christian a while, you'll have, you'll have felt these moments and you'll think, okay, here's a moment where I'm, I'm being forced to choose here ultimately what kind of wisdom I'm going to follow. If you are somebody that is, if you're somebody that's wrestling with this, or if you're somebody who's, if this isn't a bit of an issue for you, 
one of the ways that Paul makes his argument. So Paul, um, oft times is speaking to to people who have a have a Greek mindset. So a lot of his letters, if you see the destinations of the churches, is often writing to people to towns either in and around Greece or that will at the very least be heavily impacted by Greek wisdom, you know, the Greek way of thinking. And one of the ways he tries to convince, I'm just going to read it to you just now. I think I think it's a helpful thing for us to think about. He writes to a church in Colossae and he says this. He is the one we proclaim, talking about Jesus, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. And listen to this verse three, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. This is this is the line that Paul gives um, to people who have heard a lot about Greek wisdom, people who are uh, wrestling with which which way to go. They've reached that point in their lives where they're rest, wrestling with how how far should I follow this this godly wisdom? And Paul says, he says, look, if if you need convinced about this. If you're thinking right now that there's another kind of wisdom that's more beneficial or makes more sense than the one that these Christian people are talking about, the one that I'm talking about, if if this is a if you're in if you're in if you're at that junction, then please look at Jesus. Consider him. Look at his integrity. Look at what he said. Look at what he did. All, all of ultimately, Paul says. All wisdom is found there. He sort of gets us to think it's not just what Jesus says. We're not just to read his words and say, oh, yeah, that's wise. That's insightful. Look at look at what he says there. That's really good. And sort of go away and think about it. He says more than that. He said he's the very embodiment of wisdom. When we look at him, we see the very heart of what it means to be wise. When we are stirred to reflect on him then we are becoming wise ourselves in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's this idea that the more that we explore him, this is, this is Paul's argument, and I would endorse it wholeheartedly, the more that you explore the person of Jesus, the more that you don't just, not just that he was wise in word and wise in deed, but that he stirs up wisdom in people that study him that he makes sense of the cosmos, that he makes sense of human history. There is wisdom in Jesus. If you're somebody who's, if, if this is, if, if you're thinking, oh man, yeah, I've reached a point where I realize I'm either gonna dive in too far and I'm not comfortable with how far I'm gonna dive into this faith thing. Look at Jesus, you won't dive in too far. If you're somebody who's like really on the edge and you're sort of working it out, look at Jesus. This is what the Proverbs do for us. You'll see as you read them, I hope over the next couple of weeks, you'll see as you read them that they're wise. You'll see as, as we go through them, 
but you need wisdom more than you need anything else. And you'll see, hopefully, as, as we bring you these talks, that we see that wisdom born out in Jesus in a way that is compelling. And it'll mean, for all of us, we'll have to either turn around or continue to turn around. just want to leave you with two challenges as we start off this look at, at the book of Proverbs. Um, I think that little passage just caused, causes us to think about two things. The, f- the first one, I think when we look at Proverbs, we realize um, that a Christian life is is the life of a student. And I mean that, not that, um, yeah, not that we enjoy the pleasures of Freshers Week and all and all that kind of stuff, but that we are lifelong learners. I think that's what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be wise. Um, I think one of the, yeah, one of the um, elements that punctuates human life is that we have these different periods in our time where we, in our human um existence where we think we know it all don't we so we start off as tots we start off as babies go to tots and when you see a toddler it's like they, they're so strong out there they think they think they know it all they know they know you know right and wrong and everything else and they know what they want and all that sort of stuff then you get to be a teenager happens again so there's an there's an intermittent period where you're sort of a bit you're a bit soft around the edges and then you get to be a teenager and you know again how it all goes you know you know it all and then you get you get you move away from home you become an adult and then you know it all again. You buy your own house, whatever else it is, and you're there to tell the world, and so on and so on. And sort of our life follows this cyclical pattern of reaching these different stages where we think, oh, we know it all now, we know it all now. And Christians have that. Um, and maybe even could be the worst at that. And often we look at we look at it and we think it's about getting, often we look at it and often it's presented as getting to a point in life where you know it all. But I don't think it's that. Certainly when you read through Proverbs, see what it says in that in, in between verses two, I think it's five and six of Proverbs one. It says the simple can add learning, can learn, and the wise, they can add learning too. So you've got people right across the spectrum. And God through his word says, all of these people can 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 learn. I think the godly wise are lifelong learners. Then they're not people defined by reaching a point of knowledge a godly wise person is somebody who has enough humility or has learned enough humility to know that every day is a learning day that there's more to learn about our wonderful god every day so that's the first thing i think uh, proverbs will show us where, where to be lifelong students that's what that's where wisdom is the second thing i think I was helped to see as I looked at this opening text um, is that it can be a long, slow turning around. One of the, one of the part of the language that we use often people like me who, who preach, we talk about repentance and we talk about the need, you know, the, the broad and the narrow road. And we talk about this idea of turning round. There's this idea that you just, you do an about turn and one minute you walk in, you know, down a broad road. And then all of a sudden you turn around and you're walking back and everything's, you know, glorious and you're doing everything right. It's a narrow road. It's tough, but you know you're you're on the right road now. And I think that's helpful a lot of the times. But I think so, life is so much more. And I think we see this in the wisdom literature. And I think we'll see it as we try and read through some of these um, wise insights. Life's often so much more complicated and complex than just walking in one direction and heading in another direction. I think, I think the real experience often for people 
finding out faith is that it can be a you can decide to turn around and you can realize that you've been turned around but actually shifting the other way around can take quite a while i don't know if you saw i think it was last week about um the uh, the transporter driver who who i think he was i don't know if he's trying to u-turn in the suez canal i think it was i don't know if he just i don't know how i don't know quite know how he got where he got but he did that thing that often you do you know when you're driving around you look and you see the little space you think i can get in that i'll be able to i'll be able to get in that and your know, pride kicks in i don't know if that's what happened to this person um but yeah it was a very bad day at the office for whoever was driving this um transporter ship and i saw some social media posts that said and it you know showed a picture of this boat stuck you know blocking the whole world trade and it said just be happy whatever mistakes you've made in the last 24 hours at least they weren't visible from space um so this there's pictures of this um this boat blocking the suez canal from space whatever mistakes you've made at least they weren't visible from space but in a sense in a sense our long our wrestle with with sin and struggle these long elongated turning round back towards god in a sense they are not that god exists in space and looks down here but god sees everything he sees us in our everyday struggles and in i think in lives that are oft, often not just turn i mean praise god we did, god can do that he can turn people around in an instant but often we are very aware of the journey of the curve aren't we we're very aware that we're desperate to turn around and we are being turned around but it's sometimes some of the, the sin and the struggle that we have takes a bit of turning around doesn't it i think one of the things that we see is that we really need to keep our eye on the one who's able to turn us around the one who is the embodiment of wisdom because it's wisdom that we need i really hope you get to see it with us as we look at this book of proverbs um abby philip and sharps are, are going to sing us a song now they're out in the garden in the glorious sunshine so i'm guessing it's a pre-record that'll just help us to consider um the extent to which jesus um brings us wisdom we can reflect on that it's nice to welcome ash and paul nice to have you paul you all right yeah i'm good thank you yeah good good thanks good um interesting new series ash it's gonna be i hope so it's gonna be a good one um i like it i feel like we need it definitely we need we need wisdom i i have some i have some questions <laughs> i think, yeah, I think um, you read through proverbs you get a lot of questions yeah <laughs> <laughs> i guess i i can definitely see the need for wisdom i can definitely see that that's something our our own lives and even our culture aspires to there's like how many podcasts are there giving us like new fresh insights into this that and the other and i'm one of my questions is and i mean this with, with respect why would i listen to the wisdom of solomon over the wisdom of some other podcasts that you know i can tune into from people who maybe have a bit of a better track record <laughs> than Solomon like he was a wealthy guy by all means but he wasn't exactly the most upright person in terms of some of his relationships and he's he's known for being a bit of a a bit of a one isn't he 
A bit of a lad. Is that what you're going to say? Something like that. I don't know how to put it nicely. <laughs> so what? So what? What? So why should we listen why, to somebody who's been a bit why, of a lad? Why Solomon's wisdom? Why should I listen to Solomon's wisdom? I think is my question. Well, I think so. So just so I don't slip up, because God, in His wisdom, deemed it, um, you know, deemed it worthy of being included in the canon. But but as well as that. Um, how do we how do we get to a point of wisdom? I think that's the other thing you could say. Um, he was very human, wasn't he, Solomon? He was immense privilege, but I'm guessing we do a lot of learning um, in in error. I, I wonder. I, I used a proverb about wealth, and I I wondered if you know I wonder I wondered if on reflection Solomon saw that because he you know because he had a load of money and he realised that it didn't bring him you know any security. And with that position comes, you know, comes the kind of kind of insight that God ultimately uses. So, is that a helpful answer? So, Paul, can you yeah. add some? I guess I think, so. Yeah, I think there's a little bit in that. I think, um, yeah, sometimes, sometimes I think we can see within the the wisdom of Solomon, we can almost see a yearning, a yearning for something more. Uh, and, and actually, if we read the proverbs and if we try to look at, the, at what it's calling us to be there's a yearning for something more isn't there because it's almost as though it's being said in a way which is greater than any of us but then that's exactly what it is there for i think it's for us to yearn to for something that is better than us which is why paul's then as you helpfully brought out ash paul then looks at Jesus and he says he's the fulfillment of the wisdom that you've been learning, yearning for. It's that's the kind of journey that I see. So, and, and I think that's in stark contrast to the way we think about our kind of podcast or, um, you know, five reasons why kind of blog. Um, it, it's they contain wisdom as well, don't they? they do, so, absolutely. Like, do you know, yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to belittle either, no, no. really. But, no, um, but they're often coming from the point of view of, I found it. And I think a lot of okay. what Solomon's, Solomon's coming from is the point of, I know this is true. I know this is right, even though I've not attained it. There is something to be yearning and looking forward to, wanting something that's fulfilling. And at the same time, there's a whole load of just, you know, really sound stuff. If if we all kind of worked through Proverbs and li lived a lot more like that, wow, we'd be transformed people. I, I guess I asked the question because we are so critical of our, of our leaders and celebrities nowadays, aren't we? And their character. We want them to be kind of whiter than white and and maybe don't expect when they when they mess up we make quite a big thing of that and so I, I, i'm kind of looking at solomon and going is he how how do we look in what way do we do we try and be like like oh do we obviously we don't try and be like solomon but yeah do you see do you see where i'm coming from with this i do i think at the same time we've got an incredible inconsistency haven't we in that you know, we, we, on the one hand, there's times when we'll jump on our leaders for certain things. Uh, and then there's other times when things emerge 
which are just kind of, they're lost. So we're just so remarkably inconsistent. And that that's actually something I think which which Proverbs points us to is that we want a consistent and faithful wisdom. Okay. So you said, Ash, that we can trust Solomon because it's in the canon of Scripture. So why? Why is why is Proverbs in the canon of Scripture? Why why did that book get in? Uh, it's insanely helpful, I think, the book of Proverbs. Um, and I think it does... I think you've really got to be, you know, it's, a, it's a different kind of a book. I think one of my reflections as I prepped was often when you, when you read through a passage, you get the big, you get the big truth kind of spelt out. And then you sort of, you look around after that to how that affects your daily life, everything else. Whereas Proverbs spells out the daily life scenarios and it sort of it almost heads you in another direction in that you sort of, as you consider these things, you're made to contemplate what you know what re- what real wisdom in what real what real wisdom is and what you know what truth is so mm-hmm. i think i think it's re- it's a really helpful book i think it i think it'd be really helpful for um i think often we all go through spots don't we where it's hard to read the bible and it's not that hard to proverbs is because it's so not different I th- well i think i think it, yeah i think it and because it's so is it truncated it's not truncated it's all um you know, there's no long story. There's no long narrative. It's just a couple of lines about this, a couple of lines about that. It's really hard. The commentators really struggle to spot, you know, some of the themes and whatnot within it. So I think it's really... So you can you know, literally read it in bite-sized form kind of thing. Yeah, I, th- I mean, and that's not the only good thing about it. But I, th- <laughs> I, th- I think it, it does as much as any book con- causes to consider how, how we live. So I d- And I don't think, I think I'm right in saying that they're not rules and they're not you know, guarantees for life, but they do, they do make us pause, think about what wisdom is. And as Paul says, look to, you know, is this, is this what is wise? Is this really, is this really what is wise? And I think that's, yeah, I think that's a good thing for us to do as Christians. Yeah. Or anybody to do. I love the parables, uh, the the parables, I don't know where I got that from, the proverbs that we looked at today. Um, You could see how much wisdom they had. They were just like two, I'm sure you didn't pick them randomly, but, you know, just two two little proverbs and so much wisdom in them. You're like, oh, man, you could have talked about one of them, you know, like for the whole whole talk today. So uh, there's definitely loads to be be got from it. Uh, I guess one of the things that maybe people looking on our, our reading. Proverbs is famous for saying a few things that maybe wouldn't fit in with our modern day culture. So one of the uh, proverbs I remember is, um, is it spare the rod, spoil the child or something like that? So rods and children are really not 21st century and rightly so. Um, can we, whilst there might be some old wisdom, can we, is there wisdom that maybe we should be ignoring what do we think about that what's your thoughts that was Paul? um that was uh, the spare the rod spoiled the child so it is um there's a couple of proverbs that are almost like that but they're not the thing is they're not exactly like that um oh, so am i think I misquoting that, it? I no like well it. i think you're you're repeating a, a it's in a poem so i looked at I, i've done a bit of prep uh, for this so <laughs> i looked around and uh yeah it's a it's a poem um and it's a poem that does point emphasis towards, you know, disciplining kids in a in a specific kind of way, which I don't. I mean, 
I, that's not how I've, I've read the other three times in the book of Proverbs when it talks about this kind of thing. It uses the idea of a rod. Um, but if we think about, for example, Psalm 23, um, the way that, that that talks about a rod, because the idea of being a shepherd, it's, it's where you went with your illustrations in these times. And you would, you know, the, the shepherd would use the rod to make sure the sheep got to the right place. I, I think we've... Jumped a little okay, bit. Okay, so in Psalm 23, it says, your rod and your staff, they comfort, they comfort me. Yeah, but there's okay. this idea like that... Like a guide. But yeah, but you still would have been pretty, I think, robust at times. You know, you would have put the, you know, you would have used the rod in a bunch of different ways, but that would have been the illustrative tool for, if you don't do that, then the sheep's going to, you know, the sheep's going to wander off. So I think we made a bit of a jump towards, yeah, it's about just smacky kids. And I think we've we've made that jump. Do you know, I think I think the Bible's saying that discipline is really vital and important. Um and think about the fact that if you don't if you don't love your kids enough to give, you know, to to put boundaries in place, if you don't love them enough to do that, then they're gonna they're gonna wander off. I think that that's that's what it's saying. And I th I think I think actually in today's culture, the Bible speaks really you know, wisely into a culture that where we're thinking, you know, there's a bit of a nanny state present in, in our current culture, I think, where we, not, not that we abscond responsibility, but, you know, we sort of wondering who's, you know, who's responsible for all this. And I think one of the things the Bible says is parents, you know, you know, don't, don't just neglect your offspring, but really in love, you know, make sure they go the right way. I think that that's, I think that that's more what it's saying. What's your thoughts, Paul? I'll read one of the verses which has got the rod. So it okay. says, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's kind of right between the eyes, isn't it? Um, I think two things I'd say is one, one, it, everything in, in these kind of certain ancient world literature, it's culturally bound. So there are cultural practices which are, um, which are normal. Uh, but if we look at that, I think you're absolutely bang on, Ash. Um, folly is bound up in the heart of a child. All of us know when we look at back when we were children, we did stupid things. Mm. We, we thought really stupid things and behaved in silly ways. Um, the danger is that we end up in our in our culture today in a place where we don't confront that, and and we 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 don't seek to resolve that foolishness hmm. in the heart of a children, in the heart of a child. And actually, what it's saying is, you're doing it for their good. That that you want to get the the foolishness driven far away from them. You want your kids to grow up wise. That's that's at the heart of it, and and I think we've lost sight of that mm. uh, in certain ways. We've entered into a kind of um, an idea where our own thoughts and our own perspectives are the are the arbiter of what is right and wrong, mm. and that's what Proverbs does: is it confronts us all, and it says. What is wise and what is right and what is good is not rooted inside of you. It's coming from outside of you. So, so be shaped in a different way. 
Um, so yeah, uh, rod of discipline. Um, we, I, we but, are absolutely the rod of right rod of love as well, isn't it? It's the rod of yeah, it's not just it's the rod that the shepherd has to make sure the sheep goes in the right way. Just... Uh, and the reality is, we we can see lived out in society how unloving it is not to discipline our children. And mm. I am, you know, uh, physical physical punishment for me is is a no no now. That's mm -hmm. where I am. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that I don't discipline them because I love them enough to discipline them. Mm -hmm. um, from somebody who's got kids who are bigger and tougher and stronger than me, <laughs> that's probably where it's coming. And 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 to add to that, you know, I. I'm in a different place now than I was when my kids were young. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's an important. I'm, I'm the same. I think that's been a, that's a journey, isn't it? I think. Yeah. That's been a. Yeah. So actually, far from being a uh, remote and uh, alien, actually, proverbs is incredibly relevant even to the point of how we set boundaries for our kids and things like that, like in that kind of practical, like it's Monday morning and I need you to get your shoes on kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's it's that practical for I think, us. Yeah, it does. It's so practical. And I think, I think I've got it right. And then it works in some ways, the opposite way around to other, other Bible passages. Cause you start in the every, you start here in the everyday of, is this also a matter of faith? This is just, my kid's driving me mad. You know, just <laughs> just being, you know, he's trying to eat Lego. Surely this is not connected to my faith, how I deal with this. And then you read Proverbs and you go, actually, there's, you know, all these everyday moments are connected to where we think wisdom comes from. Ultimately, I think that's I think there, the, uh, the book is punctuated by these little verses that really help us out. And I think verse seven is one. The fear of the Lord is the beginning yeah. of wisdom. You gloss over it. You peril. I think it speaks volumes and ultimately i think i'm right in saying you can read through the book quite amiably and go oh that's interesting or that's insightful or i don't know if i agree with that oh that's really wise but then every now and again you get a jolt of you realize if you this is pointing you somewhere mm -hmm. um that's ultimately going to involve you being you know turned around a little bit yeah and i think probably we're talking about two percent of the book might be confronting issues with children and 98 percent of the book is confronting issues with us. Yes. Yeah. I think that's an interesting one. I, I, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom is a, a verse I hope that we go back to again in this. I'm sure we will, Ash and Paul, in this in this little series. I, I think probably one of the thing one of my thoughts was I think you said Ash about choosing which wisdom you should follow. And I think in maybe in society the idea is that actually you shouldn't choose anything everything is acceptable and we all should just if we all if we all just took little bits of each other's wisdom then we'd be be the better for it we're running out of time and i feel like we could talk about this all night but um maybe just each of you if you could just give us like one reason why you would choose the wisdom of the lord and maybe thinking about that that fear of the lord is that fear as in I should be scared or, yeah, with some questions on that. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. I think. Um, Good. Thank you, Paul. That, <laughs> that, <laughs> that idea of fear is such a, a, a misused kind of concept. I think the idea of something being so incredibly awesome 
that it brings uh, a fear to us uh, of its awesomeness and its its rightness. Um, there's that picture in the line, the witch in the wardrobe, um, where I think it's Mr. Tumnus is is talking to the children, and um, one of the children asks, "Is Aslan uh, safe?" And he says something along the lines of, "Safe? He's not safe, but he is good." And He's I, a lion. I think, I think, wow, that that is a beautiful picture of God. God's not safe. There is an awe to God, but he is good. So that would be him being good would be one reason to choose the wisdom of the Lord. Yeah. To, Ash, have you have you got a why would why should we over the next few weeks as we are thinking about wisdoms to follow? What for you makes the wisdom of the Lord? Yeah, worth, probably worth just striving add, after. Yeah, just follow point, Paul's point on. I think Paul, I think it's in Corinthians. Paul talks about where we can sort of crystallizes the wisdom in terms of the cross. Sort of draws you to a point where you go, here it is, really personified in the cross, and it might look foolish, but actually, what you see when you look at the cross is total. He's total good. It's it's perfect, and um, wise enough to. You know, to point towards the tr you know, the truth about who God is. So I think, yeah, I think um, as Proverbs points us to God, I think that's why it's that's why it's ultimately good because it's because it's heading towards you know who who, who we see God is in Jesus. Brilliant, great stuff, guys! I'm so excited about Proverbs. Bring it on! Um, I'm also... They're going to be different every week. They're going to be. I mean, they'll be the same in in that you know. The Sunday school answer we head towards Jesus, but they they'll be wildly different every single week. So it should be good fun. Good, good stuff. Uh, Paul, would you pray for us as we close tonight, yeah, please? That'd be absolutely. great. Thanks, Father. We thank you for the time that we've been able to share together. We thank you that you are the very um, the essence. You are the source of wisdom, uh, and we thank you that that wisdom has not been hidden from us but has been revealed in Jesus. We stand in awe uh, of your wisdom uh, and we pray that as we work through this uh, next week, that something hey, Paul, of that wisdom would, would uh, eat, burn into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Hope to see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye.